Welcome to episode 7 of the Ace of Spada podcast. I am so hyped to get you guys this episode. I've been saying this since the beginning before I even started this podcast. I was going to get this man on and I finally have. He goes by the name Jordan Syatt, otherwise known on Instagram as Syatt Fitness. He is a former trainer for uh, Gary Vanderchuk, who I look up to, and he's an overall just health expert. Um, you guys are in for a treat today. It's insane what we talk about. It's more like a nice little therapy session. That's how I describe it. And this intro is like that right now. It's kind of just off the wheels. Let's get to it. So I don't want to waste any time, but we're going to be discussing relationships with food and a mental barrier that you need to get through some of those things and associating good and bad foods if there are any and we go really into depth with that it's a 45 minute discussion i'm not going to say anything more about it because i want you guys to listen to it but i want to give a shout out to two of my brands that i do sponsor number one is rev up nutrition um they're my boys through and through um, have conversations with them daily. So these guys are in it with me. They see my vision. I see theirs. You can use code SPADA to get 15% off their website. Get some of their pre-workout, aka Nitrous V2, or get tune up their EAA-BCAA combo. So I love their products. You guys should try them out. And then secondly, Fitletics Apparel. Um, their coach or my coach, excuse me, is the owner of it. His name is Matt Saxon. Um, it's a pretty dope brand. They just came out with their new Lux line, really soft material. I have their joggers. I'm looking to get the track jacket next. But you can use code SPADA to get 10% off there. So, you guys, we're going to get into it just right now, right away. So, let me introduce you guys to Jordan Syatt. All right, Jordan, uh, it's great to have you on the Asus Beta podcast. We're just going to hop right into it. Uh, you're kind of big right now based on the uh, the Big Mac challenge. Um, it was one of the best videos I think I watched, uh, an hour-long video. But Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I think it really did show that there's not really a bad and good food for people and that you can still lose weight even by eating mcdonald's every day and i kind of just want you for my listeners who may not know you to kind of just go over that whole challenge in general just give a brief thing of what your results were and how you actually mentally went into that challenge yeah i mean basically i wanted to show people that you can enjoy your favorite foods in moderation and not feel bad for having one of your favorite foods. I think a lot of people, they get anxious or nervous or worried or they feel guilty if they have a slice of cake or a pizza. And I wanted to show people like, listen, I'm not saying, I'm not recommending having a Big Mac every single day at all. But I am going to do this to show you that when you have a day where it's not like your best, you can still not only not backtrack but actually continue to make progress and go forward with it so i ate a big mac every day for 30 days and i ended up losing about seven pounds yeah that's in that's actually pretty incredible because i know myself i like to admit it i've struggled with the bad and good food type thing 
So whenever I try to eat, I I highly recommend this, but I eat as healthy as possible. Usually I do that 80-20 rule that a lot of people like to stick to, which is 80% clean, 20% eat what you want. But I've more been shifting to more of a 95-5% <laughs> just because I see better results in my physique myself. So... I kind of want you to go over that stigma, though, that it's like the one thing that's hard to get over is that hump between the good and bad food. And a lot of people will always assume that there's always certain foods that are bad and there's certain foods that are good. But people don't know that even good foods can be bad for you if you eat too much. And I think that's a lot of things that people usually skip over is that if you're in a caloric surplus, no matter what, you're going to gain weight. So... I kind of just want you to go over that whole stigma of trying to just like tell my listeners or my, yeah, my listeners what they, what tips you could have for trying to get over that hump between the good and bad foods. So, I mean, just, just like what you said, even, even water in excess will kill you. Even if you drink, like it's quote unquote, the healthiest thing in the world, but you drink too much of it, it's going to kill you. Um, literally too much of anything. I mean, if you have too much fibrous vegetables, like it could wreak havoc on your stomach. You have too much, um, too much of anything. It is, is bad for you. It's by like inherently because it's too much of it. Like just inherent in that nature. So I think a lot of people get caught up on, and then people are like, okay, well like, what about Twinkies? Twinkies are, are never good for you ever. Like that's usually for whatever reason, Twinkie is the first one that people always think of like, yo, okay, well Twinkies are, Twinkies are never going to be good. And the way that I always frame it is, especially right now, because mental health is starting to like pick up steam, which is like great. People are really starting to recognize mental health. I'm like, okay, let me ask you this. Is physical health the only way to improve your health? Is that the only aspect of health? And then no, no, they'll be like, I'm like, okay, cool. So if you have someone who has disordered eating or has a disordered relationship with food and they can now eat a Twinkie without having a severe anxiety attack, would you call that improving their health? And they're yeah. like, well, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, there we go. So in, in that case, actually having a Twinkie is good for your health. Now, I'm not saying have a Twinkie every day or multiple Twinkies every day. For some reason, people go to these extremes. But to be able to have something that might not be quote-unquote healthy without any anxiety, is that's part of being healthy. In fact, if you can't have a food without that feeling of anxiety or nervousness or shame, that's actually a disordered eating habit. There's a name for that. It's called orthorexia. Like that's not good. So it's, it's really interesting how people are very quick to look at one food and say that it's immediately bad for you. But we don't do that in any other area of our life. Like if someone got three hours of sleep one night, just got, had one bad night of sleep, you wouldn't be like, oh, you're unhealthy. Like we all know like, you could have eight hours of sleep about like on, on a nightly basis, but no one's like, Oh, you, you only got three. Oh man, you're really unhealthy. It's not like people are like, Oh wow. You didn't, you didn't drink enough water yesterday. You're, you're unhealthy. It's like, but for whatever reason we have a fucking slice of pizza and all of a sudden we're like, Oh fuck everything. Is so unhealthy. It's like, where does this come from? No other aspect in life. Do we do this? But we love to be so, so reductionist in this one aspect. It's just not how it works. And so, if you really want to break it down, if you want to look at like the actual like calories of like why some foods are not good and some foods are not bad, a calorie is just a unit of measurement. That's it. That's all it is. It just tells you how much energy a food has. It doesn't tell you anything else about it. it doesn't tell you 
where the food came from. It doesn't tell you what the nutritional value is. doesn't tell you anything. So 100 calories from pizza is the exact same as 100 calories from an apple. It doesn't mean that the nutritional value is the same. doesn't mean that the fiber, the, the vitamins, the minerals, that, that stuff is the same. But it does mean that the energetic value of those two foods is equivalent no matter what. And that allows you to then have some more leeway and saying, you know what, like if I want to have 100 extra calories, it's okay to have it from here. But also you might have to realize that maybe you'll be hungrier later. Maybe you'll need to like focus more on your protein with something that has like way less carbs and fats. But this idea that there are good and bad foods is just it's ignorant at best. Yeah, I think you really did hit it on right on the nail right there is that even living in my apartment, usually I'm probably the healthiest person in my whole apartment out of the seven guys I live with. So anytime they see me eat a brownie or like a cookie, they're like, oh, it's so unhealthy. I'm like, no, I fit it in and I eat less of what I usually eat. It's like I'm able to I've learned enough now that I'm able to fit it in where it fits. They kind of just eat whatever and do whatever they want. But I know in my mind that it's not unhealthy for me because I need it. And I think a lot of people don't understand that either is that when they eat really healthy is that they don't. um, How do I say this? Is that they do have that mental aspect of when they eat that dirty food that they feel a lot of shame but which I've done when I started when I started working out and everything and started eating really healthy that's when I started to feel that anxiety of eating brownie or eating too much or something but I know I fit it in but I know it can lead to depressive side and anxiety and I've gotten that before which is actually a struggle but luckily I have been on a caloric surplus because I'm in the bulking phase right now so it's pretty easy for me to actually fit that in but I know one of the big things that might happen during a diet is uh, binge eating uh, Go more. can you go more into that I know that because that actually affects mental health because we'll get into that I just did a podcast on toxic masculinity and everything in society so I definitely want you to touch on the binge eating because that's something that I also struggle with where I was dieting and once I had that brownie it led to me eating like seven or eight more of them and you can't really stop so you want me to touch on, on toxic masculinity or, or binge eating? Oh, binge eating. Got it. Interesting. Um, I'd love to hear your take on that. Um, but um, basically, I mean, for binge eating specifically, like, is there anything specifically about binge eating you want me to discuss? Just like the mental, like, like I know you like to touch on mental health aspects. So I want you to touch on like how that actually affects a person like mentally when you do that binge eating and then you feel the guilt. Like you never feel the guilt while you're doing it, but you feel the guilt right after you're done it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I would, I would say there are varying degrees of when you'll feel it. Like, for example, I think a lot of people binge eat, and they don't even really know that they're binge eating in the first stage of it, right? Like, they don't even know that it's an issue. They don't even know that like it's like building up, and for them, like during it there might not be any problems but afterwards then they'll be like oh man like how did i eat that much food but then as they become more aware that it's a problem a lot of times the anxiety will it'll build up it'll build up it'll build up before it happens before it happens before it happens and then literally as they're doing it they're like having a dialogue with themselves in their head like stop like i don't want to be doing this as they're literally feeding themselves and um 
there's it's it's massively emotionally distressful and like it's it's not something that they want to do obviously but it it's just this emotional response that's just like this trigger that they can't they have a very hard time stopping um i think what is most interesting to me is how many people actually struggle with it but don't discuss it um it's one of those things that basically everybody does at night when they're alone um, sometimes people won't do it at night, but at night tends to be the, the most common time. Um, and I mean, the stories that I've heard, man, about like people who will just like either sneaking away from their spouses in order to do it or like going into their cars in the middle of the night or like in order to like for the kids so that their parents won't see whatever it is. Like I've heard it all. And, uh, the amount of people that struggle with it is, is it's astronomical. And I think one of the reasons that people really resonate with what I say is because I let them know that, Hey, this issue that you're having, is actually very, very common and you're not alone with it. Yeah. I usually, I've actually like to start doing that, I guess I do struggle with it. Like I have, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm in a caloric surplus, so I kind of can get away with it just a little bit more, but it still affects me to where, especially working, I work in the bar industry. So while I'm at school, sometimes I'm up till two, like 3, 4 a.m. Yep. And it's like that's that point where I'll eat all my calories that I need to hit within my certain time frame. So usually nights I don't work. I'm in bed by 9.30. But on nights I do work, I'm not in bed till 3.30 or 4. And it's like that's when I get that, oh, I've already eaten all my calories, but I'm starving because I worked an extra five-hour shift. And it's like that's when – usually the only thing open is like a sheets or like a pizza joint. Like we have this little local pizza joint. That's like a dollar slice. So we'll go there right after work. And it's like, you never want to stop. So it's like, we always get, since we work and we're really good friends with the people at the pizza joint, they give us like a free pizza, like a whole pizza at the end of the night. And we all end up eating like three or four, like two, three slices. And it's like, I honestly don't know how to address that myself. And I think that's why I wanted you on this podcast because it's like I needed to come to terms with my own thing and I've heard you discuss it on your podcast before where you've had some guests discuss their stuff yeah. so I totally want to get into that if we can just touch on that because yep. it's like I want to admit it now to my to my listeners because I want them to know that I still struggle with those things daily yeah absolutely man so I mean do you do you how often do you say you binge eat like every week how often how, how many nights a week would you say you do it I would probably say one to two, just depending on how long of the shift I am. And I think it's the mood, how I feel after that shift, because some nights are good and some nights are really rough. Okay. And and would you say that like when you do it, you eat well, 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 well past the point of like feeling full, like you're completely like past the point of discomfort, like it, just, it doesn't feel good at all, like you're just like massively, or is it more just like, ah, you just ate more than you wanted to? Sometimes I feel like I, there's there's certain times when like after a big weekend, our boss buys us pizza and then I just end up overeating till I'm full, but then most of the time, it's just, oh, I overate. So I overate by maybe like 300 or maybe, no, I'll guess like 500, 600 calories, somewhere around there. Okay, and then and then do you get like after the fact like you get like super anxious about like the damage that you did yeah got it like the next day it hits me like the next morning like i kind of got to think about it like the way i try to get over it is oh i'll put that energy to my gym session but i keep making but i keep making that excuse every time i do it and i kind of just need to learn to stop doing that 
So, so I have I have good news for you, and I also have uh, it's basically I have good news, and then something else to discuss, which is you actually, based on what you're saying, you actually don't struggle with binge eating. Okay, which is great, and the reason I can say that is because people who struggle with binge eating, man. 300 500 calories like that's nothing man like yeah that's nothing i mean i'm talking about like two three four five thousand plus calories okay each, like in, in within an hour mm-hmm. like and, and it's funny because you're talking about like going to get the pizza and uh having like two or three slices and you're going 300 500 calories over i'm like yeah, I know people who'd get the whole pizza and then eat a whole nother pizza by, by themselves. Like, like binge eating is one of those things where you probably wouldn't do it with other people. Um, and you tend to do it until the point like where your stomach is just like completely just like, if you have another piece of food, you feel like it's going to tear open. Yeah. Um, what you do sound like you're struggling with is much more just around general food anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that you're ruining your progress because you went 500 calories over. Yep. Is that like that anxiety that comes with the idea of like, fuck, like why did I do that? It's like much more of the, of the guilt as opposed to like the, in the moment, unrestricted, very emotional binge eating. Um, does that sound about right to you? Yeah, that sounds literally exactly on the point. Cause I do get that anxiety where, like we were just discussing good and bad foods. Like I get that anxiety with the bad foods. So it's like sometimes whenever I eat, like sometimes I might have like two or three brownies and I can fit that in. Like I know I can, but like there's sometimes where like yesterday, literally yesterday I had like two of them and I was like, damn, I really want more. So I ended up having like seven or eight of them. And I was like, and then I got anxiety after it. Cause I'm like, cause every time I think about it, I think about it in my caloric, value and i'm like okay over here so i'm like where do i gotta under eat and where do i got what do i gotta eat for the rest of the day but it's like that gives me anxiety thinking about that yep when i really shouldn't but i mean to make the most progress i should worry about how much i'm putting in my body but i think it's the mental part that what are you scared of i think i'm scared of gaining too much so i'm with a coach right now and we're kind of lean bulking and everything. So I'm kind of keep my fat gain to a minimal as much as I can. And it's like, I feel like if I have that one day where if I go really, really over, it's just going to ruin everything. Like you, you think that logically or more in the moment emotionally, like in the moment, like in the moment, I feel like, like right after it, like we were discussing, I feel that, Oh shit. I just did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and how long does that oh shit last? Like how long does that feeling of guilt or anxiety or anything last? Maybe like an hour or two. Usually that's when it happens. And then I kind of got to like – and then once you do eat those those foods, like the brownies or anything, I feel like I should just keep eating them. But I feel like that's just the processed sugar and everything that's in it that's probably making me feel that way. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to kind of just hold back. And then I try to get back on track though with what I usually eat throughout the day. Got it. Let me see this. Do you think that it's the processed sugar that's making you think that? Or is it the idea that, oh, I already fucked up. So like I might as well just go completely off, just like whatever, and then I'll get back on track. Yeah, that's it. That's That's the second one, yeah. It's so interesting, man. Like behavior behavior is very interesting to me and like the psychology of all this and, uh, you know, there's no question that sugar is more palatable and that like, that like obviously we have like higher fat, higher sugar things that like make people want to eat them more. But 
these types of conversations and like that interaction is one of those things you couldn't really have on so, in a social media discussion where yeah. someone's like, oh yeah, and we'll know that I know that the sugar is what makes me want to do it more. It's like, is it the sugar or is it that you think that you're fucking up and that that is causing you to then end up being able, I'll just go full shithead mode for the next like hour just because then after that I can get back on track. Um, I th- let me, let me ask you this. Cause I, I very much respect how honest you're being with this, how open, like, I think a lot of people wouldn't be. So I, I absolutely love this. Um, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking 21, 21, okay. about to be 22 on Sunday. Oh, there we go, man. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank That's you. Amazing. Um, let's say, have you actually, have you ever been like very overweight or no? Not overweight. I mean, I lost, I went from like where I am now is probably the heaviest I've ever been. Okay. So, but I've been not as muscular. So I've been fatter at this point than I was. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got and it, it happened after like freshman, freshman, sophomore year. Got it. Okay. Um, so I know like you outlined, you, you said you're like, you're more scared of essentially gaining a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Let's say during this lean bulk, you gained 20 pounds of fat. What would you do? Uh, probably feel really shitty. Number one. And then number two, I'd be like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta do something. So I'd end up, I'd end up coming to terms with, Oh, well I gotta be more calorie, not restrictive. I guess that's not the term more put myself in a calorie deficit to lose that. So, the reason that I like putting that scenario out there is because number one, you're not going to gain 20 pounds of fat in this lean bowl. Yeah. Like, you're not going to let yourself do that. But even if you did, you know what you need to do to get right back on track, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what, like you're, that's literally not even going to happen. But even if it did, the worst case scenario, you know exactly what you need to do to come right back down. And I like to paint that scenario because that is literally the worst case scenario in this entire thing. And when we're in our head, we oftentimes like have an illogical discussion going around being like, oh my God, oh my God, I just completely fucked up my progress. It's like, bro, you just had like three slices of pizza. Shut the fuck up. Like you're totally fine, right? <laughs> like if your friend was saying that stuff to you, you'd be like, relax, it's fine. But inside your own head, you're like freaking out. So I like to paint the worst case scenario because once you've faced it, you realize it's not even that bad at all. Yeah. God forbid you gain 20 pounds of body fat. (laughs) Yeah. Now now you know exactly, at least you know what to do to lose it. And I have a feeling that you're the kind of person that if that did happen, you would immediately be like, okay, like, let's get on it. Like we're going to make this fucking like, we're going to lose all the fat. We're going to get in a calorie deficit. We're going to do what I need to do to get back. Like, that's it. Like you're not just going to be like, ah, well, this is my life now. Like I'm just going to sit here and just keep gaining weight. Like that's just not what you're going to do. Yep. So, you know, without a shot of a doubt, worst case scenario, which isn't going to happen anyway, you gain 20 pounds of body fat, zero muscle. You even lose muscle somehow in this lean bulk. You lose muscle, <laughs> 20 pounds of fat, just like completely gross and disgusting disgusted with yourself worst case scenario you know exactly what to do yep that's it all right that's it and like do you feel like a little bit more relaxed now about it yeah i think i got it where it's like i know what i need to do and it's like i think i just need to get over it where it's like i don't have to put so much pressure on like i need to put a bit of emphasis on what i'm eating 
and like making sure I still fit it. But if I do go over, it's not the end game. Like, it's like, not to mention, like, is this your first lean bulk? So this is my first like really consistent lean bulk that I've been. So I've been on it since the beginning of August. Okay. Because I went through a cut right before it. Because like we said, I gained a bit more than I wanted to last time. So I had to dial back a little bit over summer. And then I got to a point where I'm ready. So I was like, okay. So I've never been so consistent with my workouts or tracking food that I've, for the past, what, I would say year and a half, two years of serious lifting and eating than I've ever been. So I'm like more consistent. Like I've never been to the gym so many times in one week and tracking my food so much. I guarantee you that in 10 years, like you'll listen to this podcast and you're going to laugh. I guarantee it. You're going to laugh at, at like the anxiety that you, you'll be able to feel the anxiety that you once had about this. But what's also important to remember is this is like your first time doing it very consistently. Mm -hmm. The first time you do anything, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're a newbie. Yep. You're brand new to it. Like it's, it, you don't want to screw it up. You care a lot about it. Like you don't want to screw it up. So that even creates more anxiety. You're going to fuck it up. Yep. I probably will. You, I, uh, I have. <laughs> you're going to fuck it up. And when you know that, that's another way to get rid of the anxiety. Like you are absolutely going to fuck it up. I know you're going to fuck it up. Yep. You're going to have more pizza than you should. You're going to have more brownies than you should. Like, okay, cool. Then fucking crush your workout. Maybe you add a little bit more body fat than you wanted to. Then you get back on track. That's it. Yeah. Like literally worst case scenario. That is it. When you hold yourself to an impossible standard, you create unnecessary anxiety. When you hold yourself to the standard that you would hold nobody else to, you get nervous, you get anxious because it's impossible to live up to. You will fuck up. You will make mistakes. You will add more body fat than you want to. Cool. Yep. Get back on track. That's it. And once you accept that, the anxiety, it doesn't, it's not eliminated, but it's massively reduced and the time with which you allow yourself to stay anxious reduces as well. Yep. So the intensity of it and the duration of it both go down. And then the next time you do lean bulk, it'll get better and even less. And then the next time, even less, the next time, even less until eventually 10 years from now, you'll watch this and you'll laugh and be like, Oh man, <laughs> that dude is right. It's, and so I'll tell you, it gives me confidence to hear that you actually are a little bit nervous and anxious about this because what that tells me and like the type of nervous and anxious that you are is that you just really care. Yeah. You really care. Like you actually want to do your best. If there was no nerves or no anxiety at all, like it would probably mean that you just didn't give a fuck. But because you're being so consistent, because you're putting in so much work, you care. And then you're holding yourself to a super high standard. And that's not a bad thing. The issue is when that super high standard is outrageously unrealistic and then that's causing more distress than need be. Yep. So now it's finding that balance of being able to hold yourself to a high standard, be outrageously consistent, but also, bro, stop being such a fucking asshole to yourself. Yeah. Because right? I think it's been there because for the listeners who have listened, who 
have been here since the first episode. I talked about how I did struggle with like depression and I was suicidal at one point. So I think the way that fitness and I attribute fitness to saving my life. So I think I put a lot of emphasis and a lot of pressure on it. Cause yeah. the one thing that I do have as sort of like that hour to hour and a half that I'm at the gym, that's more just like turn off everything and just push as much weight as possible in the gym. So it's like, I think it's more of like an internal pressure. And I think it's also a case where I think I have to admit too that I do suffer from body dysmorphia where I'm like, where I look myself in the mirror and I get the thing where if I do eat the brownies, we'll go back to that situation and I'll look myself in the mirror and I'll feel like crap. And I think my body looks like crap, but all my buddies still see me have a six pack and they're like, oh shit. But I look like in the mirror, I think I look kind of fat because you might not be able to see as much of what was there before. So like, I know I struggle with all that and it's really coming to terms. I think we're talking to you that I need to kind of just line myself up because I've heard things where if you just take away that anxiety and actually de-stress the brain from this stuff that you actually can make more gains in the gym and it's better for you to make that progress. Fuck the gains in the gym about just life. Yeah. Life isn't meant to be spent in here worrying about fucking how many packs you can see. Right? Like, yeah. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no one <laughs> You could gain 20 pounds of body fat and no one would give a shit. Yeah. No, literally, nobody, literally, nobody would care. Not yep. one, except for you. And that matters. But, you have to find, and this is where, like, I'm a big believer that in order to find balance in any way, of, in any like aspect of life, you have to go through periods of unbalance. You have to go to the extreme in order to be like, oh, you know what? That's like, that's not where I want to go. And then you can find that middle ground. So you're here, and then you have to go all the way over here before you can sort of come back. And like, it sounds like you've, you've come all the way to the other end, and you've already started to come back. The reason I know you've started to come back is because you wanted to talk about this openly. If you were still going or still at the very furthest end, you wouldn't want to discuss it. Like that would be something where like you still feel like you have more room to go, more. But because like you're ready to discuss it and like change, you're already on your way back, which is huge. And I can literally see in your posture and in your tone and in like your smile that like you're already less stressed about this stuff, which is huge. Yeah, it's it's there are going to be times where the stress comes back. There are going to be times where like, it's really difficult. And that's where you have to come back to this moment and remember like, the fuck am I doing this for? Like a lot of people get into fitness, fitness, like saves people, people's lives. It really does. Like whether like you were, you were struggling with like suicidal thoughts or whether you were struggling with depression, whether you're struggling with like issues at home, like with like whatever fitness has helped save like so many lives. But a lot of times what will happen is people will get so hyper-focused on like their, their perfection and the subsequent results from that, that what once saved their life is now causing them more stress than they ever imagined. And it's like, you have to remember like, why did you fall in love with fitness in the first place? Like, why did you, why did this save your life? And are you, are you pushing it to something now that it wasn't meant to be? Because if it's not enjoying, if if there's no enjoyment in it anymore, and if it's not like causing you to love it anymore, why do you keep, now you're suffering through it instead of actually loving yourself through it, right? Yeah. And I think I've been through, I think right now, I think I'm actually, it's really funny because I'm 
saying this stuff openly, but I think I've had the most fun in the gym since like I've started working out. And I think it's because not only am I being consistent with it, but it's also like I recently got one of my friends to be my training partner. So he, he always likes to go in the morning, which is when we go. So we go at like 6 a.m. or 6.30 every single morning when I can, when I'm not working. And it's like we grind it out. And today I've hit like set and rep PRs for all my stuff. And it's like I never had – I don't think I've ever had a gym session like go that well, like completely since the beginning of my lean bulk so it's pretty cool to see like having that gym partner is like pushing me to even go farther and i think that's like what people got to see is that there still is a fun aspect to it like a lot of people just like to show themselves doing the workouts but it's like even like during the middle of workout we'll have a conversation and it'll be like a quick like two or three minute conversation on just like life real quick and because we're both going through school so we have so much in common and we get through that and it's like we make that connection and it's just making us better training partners, which is still leading us to have better gym sessions together because we know when we're going to need help and we're kind of like starting to click mentally on each other. So we know when to help each other out, when to push, when someone needs that extra motivation to kind of just push right through it. That's awesome, man. That's amazing. And I can see that you're super passionate about it and that you love it. It's amazing. I think that's what you need to remind yourself when like you have these moments of high stress or anxiety is like, and I'll be honest with you, it sounds weird, but literally discuss this with yourself, like have a conversation out loud. And a lot of people look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I mean, literally out loud, have a conversation with yourself. And, uh, the reason I say this is because if you're trying to speak in your head, it's all emotion. You can't have a very logical conversation in your head, but when you speak about stuff out loud, it becomes more logical. And the easiest way for me to explain this is like, have you ever either yourself or a friend been like really anxious or really nervous about something and you want to like get someone else's opinion. So you start telling them about something that happened. And as you start talking about it, in like your fit of rage or anxiety or whatever it is, you're like, wait, I can't even articulate. Like, I know it sounds stupid, but like, I know this sounds silly, but like, this might not make sense. But and all of a sudden, like, as you're trying to articulate it, you're like, where the fuck did this emotion come from? By vocalizing it, you can then take something that's completely emotional and then make it more logical and be okay with it. So literally what I've done with a lot of my clients is like, if they're, if they're uh, out, and like they feel like they just feel weird about having a conversation with themselves. I say, take your phone, put it to your ear and walk around and pretend like you're talking to somebody else and literally just sit there and be like, I'm super uncomfortable right now. I'm going to tell you why. And, and literally go off. Like I'm getting super anxious about this. And like, or if you want to, you could even reverse it. Pretend like you're talking to somebody else. Be like, Hey, I know you're getting super anxious about this. Just listen. Like, let's just talk. Like, why are you getting anxious about eating those brownies? And now people walking by, number one, you can talk to yourself and no one gives a fuck. No one cares. Yeah. You can do this as a way if it feels more comfortable for you. Or if you're alone in your room, whatever, like it's fine. But anytime you get that anxiety, have a full-on conversation with yourself because it will take it from an emotional response to a logical response. And it will immediately allow you to be like, okay, like I'm all right. Like fucking relax. 
Yeah. Working tourists gain 20 pounds of body fat. Nobody gives a fuck. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's a good point to end this part of our discussion. Cause I wanted to get into some other parts while we still have some time. So I definitely will have you as a guest to continue that conversation. But I do want to know something that's pretty cool. Uh, for people who don't know, he was Gary V's trainer for about how long? Three years. Three years. Yep, exactly. Uh, can you describe the experience of actually working with Gary V? Because as it looks on social media, it's pretty hectic. So <laughs> I kind of want to get your opinion on like working with him and working with someone who has a schedule where it's literally minute by minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's probably the best way to describe it. That it's like absolutely bonkers. It's hectic beyond belief. Um, very little sleep. Yeah. <laughs> very little sleep. And it's funny because people hear me talk about it and they're like, but I thought you were just his coach. I was like, yeah, like I'm just his coach, but like it's seven days a week, every single day for three years straight. And, um, the way that I explain it is wherever Gary was, I was. So if he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in London, I was in London. If he was in Singapore, I was in Singapore. If he was in Germany, I was in Germany. If he was in LA, I was in LA. Wherever he was, I was. And I would usually go there about six to 12 hours before him. So we would have our for our training session in the morning and I'd look at the schedule and see where I had to go. Then I would, if we were going to the airport, which we usually were, then I would go to the airport early, catch a flight before him, make sure that the gym was set and ready to go for when he arrived. And then... Gary doesn't stay there on vacation. Like he goes, yeah. he does what he has to do. Like we were in Ireland for eight hours, Germany for 16 hours. Then we went back like to New York for about like 24 hours, then to LA for 48 hours. Like it's all quick, quick trips. It's not like we're going there and like sightseeing. Yeah. So, um, it's nonstop. And I think what a lot of people forget to realize is they're like, Oh wow. You just coach him for an hour a day and then you're done. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> that, that I have to go at least an hour trip to the airport. Then I have to go through airport security. Then I have to like actually wait in the airport, wait through delays and flight cancellations and all that stuff. Then fly there, then get out, get my bags and go to wherever hotel I'm staying. Then like, and not to mention I have a business to run myself yep. and clients, other clients and everything and social media and then go coach Gary. And so, I mean, it's, it's definitely not just an hour a day. It was, uh, it was by far the, craziest most hectic insane three years of my life for sure but a hundred percent worth it right absolutely absolutely yeah. worth it would it did it affect you not did it affect you mentally too and i know it probably affected you physically so did it affect you like mentally like having to keep up with all that and like was it yeah. stressful like actually and did it take a toll on you just a little bit yeah i think especially the first six months because i didn't know what i was getting myself into um Gary's old coach, who's one of my best friends, Mike Vacanti, he did not adequately prepare me. <laughs> I, was getting into. I had no idea. He was basically like, yeah, you know, you travel with him and uh, you coach him an hour and, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And part of, I should actually, I should ask him about this today. Part of me thinks he did it deliberately so that I wouldn't say no to the job. <laughs> um, but for the first six months, I almost quit three times just because I was like, this is insane. Like this isn't a normal life and it's not a normal life. Like people don't get it. Like there's no way to understand it unless you actually live it. And like for those first six months, I was like, there were three times where I called his assistant Tyler and I was like, dude, like, I think this is it. Like I'm done. Um, and after that, I'd say from six months in until about two and a half years in, 
I was in a really good spot. There were no issues. And then like after that, things like really calmed down. But, um, I think the last six months, you know, at the end of high school, how you get like senioritis. Yeah. That's where like the last six months were, where I was just like, it was like every workout. I was like, Oh, like every day becoming <laughs> last six months. But from six months into about two and a half years in, it became more of just habit and I was good with it. It was fine. I was on autopilot. Um, it was very difficult, especially physically. And I think that's also where a lot of anxiety came from during the first six months as well, because I was an elite level power lifter. I deadlifted four times my body weight. Like I, I, not since I was 14, did I not have like a legitimate training program that I was running like consistently four or five days a week. Um, so I go to coach Gary and like, at best I'm having a hotel gym, like with like shit gym and like I'm exhausted and I literally don't want to work out. I'm not competing. Like I don't have an actual goal to strive for and I have a ton of business stuff to do. And it was the first time in my life, my adult life where I was like, I'm not going to focus on fitness at all right now. And, and I think that those first six months I, I like battled with myself on it cause I wanted to, but I wasn't. And it was really difficult until finally I got to a point where I was like, I'm literally not going to give a shit about my fitness. Like if I work out, it's going to be minimal. I'm going to eat like an asshole and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to gain body fat. And like, this is actually, it goes back to like, what's pretty cool for you is like, if you go look at the pictures that I took when I was at like my fattest, I was like, I got pretty fucking fat. Yep. But now I'm not. Now I'm like back down to being lean within like eight months of like, consistency right like that's it like worst comes to worst is you get fat and then when you decide that you want to not be fat anymore you know what you need to do and i think that's one of the reasons why i was able to not be anxious with all that and like enjoy it because i was like you know what i'm not gonna be able to improve my fitness it's not my goal right now i want to focus on my business so i spent that two and a half three years solely focused on my business it went way up it like massively massively improved my personal fitness went down the shitter and then at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I need to get my own health in check again. And so I did. So, And that's the benefit of knowing how to do it is like when you know what you need to do and you know how to do it, it's always there. The option is always available. Yep. Uh, that's great. And then we're going to get to the final two questions I ask every single guest is. Um, the first one is, what are the top three things you want everybody to leave with during this quick conversation that we had? Oh, man. I would say uh, top three things I want everybody to leave with. I'll say this. I'll say um, number one is whatever it is you're going through, you're never alone at all. I think as humans, we tend to uh, – it's not even just as humans, but as humans in a very public world, in a social media-driven world, we tend to see what the best of what other people are doing. And we often think that like – we're like the only one struggling. We're the only one with like going through a certain issue. And it's just not the case. Like whatever it is you're going through, I promise you, you are not only not alone, like you're among a vast majority of people going through the same type of stuff. I promise. So that's number one. Um, number two, I would say, um, I would say there's definitely construction going on right outside. My <laughs> um, I'm going to reiterate this one in terms of if you're getting anxious or if you struggle with anxiety, have a conversation out loud with yourself. And I, I, if you don't want to have the conversation out loud, 
write it down as though like you're writing someone an email or like writing someone like a big message, but be very clear and deliberate with what you're writing and outline it exactly as if you're having a discussion because you can't just be vague with it. You have to actually have a full on discussion for it to really make sense. Um, and then third one would be if something is, if something you loved is causing you more anxiety now than it did before, you really have to take a step back and ask yourself why, like why that's happening. Why is what you once loved and what once caused you to be happy and uh, and it was your oasis, it was your happy place. Why is that now causing you so much stress? You really need to ask, is it worth it? Like, is that stress worth it? Because the truth is you have control over it. Like you can control it. It's just, it's going to be, are you going to be conscious enough and aware of it enough and like make the changes in order to make that happen? So that's pretty much it, man. Yep. Those are three good things. I hope every listener takes in this whole conversation. Uh, num- and then my last question I always ask everybody is give us three books that you believe everybody should read. Okay. So I think for sure the Harry Potter series, I'm going to put that as just one. <laughs> and it's funny, people always laugh at that. But I actually very much believe it. For, I, I think there's so much to be gained from having an imagination and, like, from being able to, like, people, oh, like, it's, like, not real. Da, da. I'm like, <laughs> just because, like, it only exists in here doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. You know? It's like, what is real? Right. Just because it only exists in here and here doesn't make it not real. I think being able to have a a massive imagination can only benefit you. So I'll say that. Um, I'll say, I mean, I'm not a huge reader, but I will say uh, made to stick is, is I'll say made to stick and also moments are two of like my big favorite. They're both by uh, the same authors, Chip and Dan Heath. Um, and then I'll also say The 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. That's what I'm reading right now. So it's like I'm on like rule like seven and it's yeah. like one of the best books I think I've ever, ever read in my whole life. It's incredible <laughs> how serious he gets and like what he uses to kind of just symbolize everything. And it's yeah. great that he does it. And a lot of people don't get his stuff, but it's incredible. I've always found the people who don't get his stuff are the people who've never actually consumed his stuff. That they're <laughs> people who look at headlines from what other people have written about his stuff and then say that he says, when in reality it's not what he says at all. It's uh, I've yet to meet a single logical person who's actually read his stuff and not loved it. Yeah. Ever. I've, I've never met a single person who's actually read it and not loved it. I've met a lot of people who've seen headlines of his stuff and said he's a bad person, but I've never actually met someone who's actually either read his stuff or watched his stuff and not absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. I love I love listening to him on Joe Rogan's podcast. I think those are some of the best episodes I've ever listened to, too. 100%. So um, last thing, self-plug here. Um, where can everybody find you to, if they want to DM you to discuss more or if they just want to get your advice in general? Uh, YouTube, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T. I have my own podcast, the Jordan Syatt mini podcast. Uh, Instagram, Syatt Fitness. You could Google my name, Jordan Syatt. It'll come right up. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it, man. All right. Uh, thank you, Jordan, so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I was a bit anxious going into this, but it went a lot better, I think, for myself. 
also hopefully for you too. So everybody, thank you for listening. And thank you, Jordan, again. Of course, man. Have a good day. You too.